Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. We're officially less than a week away from the NFL draft and a week away from when the Raiders are scheduled to make their first pick of the draft. So we've got plenty to talk about, and of course we've got your questions to go over, to which I believe are almost exclusively about the draft, so lots of draft talk coming your way today. But first, to have your questions answered on a future show, tweet them at me, at mholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. Also, one quick announcement about next week's show, with the draft going on, and I've got some things to take care of with the day job. So as a heads up, I'll probably push the next week's episode out to either Sunday or Monday. That way we can go over all the picks and get all that good stuff in. With that though, let's get to it. Before we start talking about the draft, I do have some more important news to go over. Former Raiders quarterback Daryl LaMonica passed away on Thursday at the age of 80. LaMonica was born in Fresno, California and played in the first Little League World Series. He went on to be an All-State quarterback at Clovis High and played at the University of Notre Dame. In 1963, LaMonica was drafted in the AFL by the Buffalo Bills and in the NFL by the Green Bay Packers. He signed with the Bills and played there for three years before getting traded to Oakland along with a man by the name of Tom Flores. With the Raiders, LaMonica earned the nickname the Mad Bomber for his impressive arm strength and he throve in the silver and black with two AFL MVP trophies and an AFL championship that led to the franchise's first Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl II against Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers. The Mad Bomber set the Raiders' single-season passing touchdown record with 34 back in 1969, and that record still holds today. On behalf of Silver and Black Pride, I'd like to send our condolences to the LaMonica family and may Daryl rest in peace. Former Raiders GM Mike Mayock spoke to the media again about his firing in an interview with the 33rd team's Paul Donowich. In that interview, Mayock essentially said that he pounded the table for the Raiders to rehire Rich Bisacci as head coach. The two special teams guys that I pushed for for the years to be head coaches were John Harbaugh and Richie Bisaccia, Mayock said. I thought both of them would be special head coaches, to the point where I recommended both of them to Boston College, a school near and dear to my heart, back in 2007. Mayock graduated from BC in 1981. Harbs interviewed for the job and didn't get it. The following year, he got the Ravens job and is one of the best coaches in the league. In my mind, I felt Richie had earned the opportunity to be the Raiders head coach. I thought we worked well together. I think the way we looked at the situation was, we got this thing going the right way. We built a strong foundation. We had one of the youngest rosters in the league. Our salary cap situation was outstanding. We felt like we had the right kind of people in the building and the foundation was built. Now let's continue to build on it. The bottom line was we were both pretty excited about the future there. Obviously, that's not what happened. Domowicz later wrote that sources around the league told him that Mark Davis made up his mind about Rich Bisaccia when the team fell to 6-7, and and he stuck to that decision. So, Mayock vouching for what was essentially a dead man could have been what did him in, too. At the end of the day, I think that if Davis did want to hire McDaniels, McDaniels and Ziegler were a package deal, so the end result would have probably been the same, but it's certainly an interesting story as the curtain gets peeled back a little bit more. More details about Derek Carr's contract came out, and like all the other new deals, it's a very favorable one for the Raiders. 
Carr's three-year, $141.3 million contract extension is an average of about $40.5 million, with $65.3 million guaranteed, $7.5 million in signing bonus, and breaks down as follows. In 2022, he'll get $17.4 million in guaranteed salary and be about a $19.4 million cap hit. In 2023, he gets $32.9 million in guaranteed salary with a $34.9 million cap hit. 2024, $41.9 million salary and $43.9 cap hit. 2025, $41.2 million and $43.2 million. But what might be more important or more significant details are the potential outs that the Raiders will have. Per Pro Football Talk, the Raiders can move on from Carr if he's healthy at the end of the season, and the team could release him and essentially turn the extension to just a one-year $24.9 million deal. They can also get rid of him after two years, and Carr would be owed just $7.5 million for 2024, or they can just cut him after three years. Those outs have led some people to poke holes in the organization's commitments to its starting quarterback, but Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer weighed in on the matter and had this to say. The Derek Carr contract, to me, is reflective of, of what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are trying to build in Las Vegas. They've asked Carr to consider a Tom Brady-style contract that would offer them the flexibility and then prove to him how they'd use it in trading for Devontae Adams, which, indeed, was a turning point for the Carr negotiation. And the new brass also understood how this sort of contract situation could play out in the locker room because Carr is so well-respected and that things getting sideways might set a bad tone early on. So, the Raiders avoided that, conducted a smooth negotiation. One source told Breer that the key was that they all wanted the same thing, and in doing so, made a statement about the types of players and guys that McDaniels and Ziegler plan to reward in Las Vegas. So, another pretty good deal for the Silver and Black. We'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Las Vegas' GM, Dave Ziegler, spoke to the media for his first pre-draft press conference the other day, and while he didn't have a whole lot to say, he did offer a few bits of information that are useful. Ziegler hinted at a possible draft day trade, seeing as he won't make a pick until number 86. However, he was noncommittal if that's a trade up or down. If I had to guess, I could see a trade into the second round, but the first might be a bit of a stretch. Per ESPN's Jordan Reed, most NFL teams only have about 16 to 19 first round grades on this year's crop of prospects, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the reason why Ziegler was willing to get rid of pick 22 for Devontae Adams. Ziegler also went on to say that he thinks this is a deep draft, which is a pretty typical statement in a weak overall class, so maybe his prerogative will be moved back and acquire some more picks in the 100 to 150 range. The GM also sang his assistant, Champ Kelly's praises, saying that Kelly's been exceptional and he could see the assistant getting a promotion to the GM gig next year. Ziegler also said he's enjoyed meeting with prospects in person this year instead of virtually, which seems like a good transition to our draft day visits. Baylor safety JT Woods who ran a blazing 4-3-6 40-yard dash at the Combine at 6'2", visited the desert, and the Raiders were reportedly interested in Northwestern State wide receiver Kendrick Price. All right, mailbag time. Reminder, to have your questions answered on a future show, tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, adamholder95, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, should the Raiders trade back for more picks? Well, I think it depends a little bit on what you're talking about for the trade back. I think if it means pick 86 to trade back, I'd probably be a little bit hesitant to do that. I was talking a little bit at the beginning of the show where I think the move would be more to uh, trade up maybe into the second round and try and look for somebody there. I would just get worried if they start trading pick 86 that now they're going to be 
still looking for a starting right tackle, and I would assume that's probably still going to be one of the targets if they trade back. And now you're talking about relying on someone who's not even a top 100 pick to be a starter. And that's just, to me, that's playing a little bit too close to the fire. I'd like to see them spend, or I'd like to see them at least get a top 100 guy that can come in there and compete at that right tackle spot. That being said, you know, if there is a situation where maybe in the in the fourth round with pick 126, where they maybe they want to get back into the 150s or maybe trade back that way and acquire more fifth round picks, like Dave Ziegler said, you know, I'd really test his theory if this is a, a deep draft. Maybe that's the route they could go to trade back. But I just I would be a little bit cautious of them trying to move their one top 100 pick because let's be honest, at, at 86, you're only 14 away from uh, being outside of the top 100. So I'd imagine you'd probably fall out of that. Maybe if they can get two two picks out of it, and you know, say the one ten range, then maybe it'd be worth it. Maybe you can find a cornerback and a uh, and still a starting quality right tackle. But um, right now, I, I'd probably be a little worried if they start to if they trade back, and we might be looking at Brandon Parker starting at right tackle if that happens. Number two, give us a brief breakdown on the three guys you'd like to see the Raiders draft with their current picks. So I'll do you guys. Here's what I'll do for you guys. Since I was just talking about the offensive tackles and cornerbacks, I'll give you three names for each positions that I like to see them pick. Usually, I'm thinking around the third or fourth round picks for these guys. Um, I'm not 100% sure where they'll fall, but that's kind of the the category I'm looking at here. First guy I'll talk about is Abraham Lucas from Washington State. He's a guy I'm not sure if he be uh, he'll be available in the in the third. I think he might go a little bit uh, sooner. He's a guy that's super athletic, has a ton of experience in pass pro, which is what is basically the only thing that, or what is different than the, uh, what the Raiders have at right tackle, both Brandon Parker and Alex Leatherwood are more of those run blockers. So I'd l- really like to see them get out uh, Abraham Lucas in that third round if he's still there. Um, I think he'll kind of be one of the top guys. Again, super athletic, well-versed in pass pro. Then again, on the other end of that is a big question mark in uh, the running game. Playing in that air raid system didn't get a whole lot of NFL experience or NFL concepts experience. Uh, um, as a run blocker and all that good stuff has a lot of flaws. You know, that's a that's an offense that's going to throw the ball 67% of the time, two out of three downs. So that would be the biggest hesitation with him. Um, then there's Max Mitchell, who's somewhat similar in that I really like Max Mitchell as a pass blocker. Again, ton of experience playing right tackle. Louisiana had a left-handed quarterback, so he was the he flipped over to the right side when they started transitioning to that guy. Was one of the most dominant blockers um, in college football last year. I think he led PFF and or he led all tackles in PFF grade last year. Again, really like him in pass pro. Some stuff to clean up in uh, in the run game. My biggest concern with him is he tested terribly at the combine. Not that great of an athlete. Obviously, a little bit different vein from Lucas in that standpoint. But again, I've liked what I've seen on tape. Obviously, a little bit of a, little bit of a question mark being a non-Power 5 conference too. But again, another guy that I think for what we're looking at in the third and fourth round that has a ton of experience could come in and start. I think he's a guy that you can take a gamble on and you know at least throw in there and see if he can compete. And the last guy I give you... I'd be he'd be a guy I would say needs to be a fourth or fifth round pick. I would be a little disappointed if the Raiders uh, ended up taking him in the third round. But it would be Kellen Desich from Arizona State. I really comp him a lot, or I think he's uh, a really similar player profile wise to Abraham Lucas. I've kind of refer- referred to him as the poor man's Abraham Lucas in this year's draft. I think if the Raiders don't get a chance to draft Abraham Lucas 
In the third round, Kellen Desich would be a, a great consolation prize. Another guy that tested athletically through the roof at the combine um, and really well-versed in pass pro. Would have to make the switch from left tackle to right tackle. Has a lot of the, the similar flaws as Lucas in the run game. But again, a guy that they can at least mix in and is something different than what they already have at that spot um, and can at least mix in and compete for a potential starting spot. The three cornerbacks, the first one, I think most of you guys probably know about him by now. I've talked about him. I know a bunch of other guys have talked about him. Mark John's talked about him. Uh, BD's talked about these guys. Tariq Woolen from uh, UTSA, cornerback, six foot four, ran a sub 4-3, um, 40-yard dash, super long arms, very raw. A lot of stuff he's got to clean up on his technique, which is a little concerning because he is going to be a 23-year-old rookie after being a fifth-year senior. But the good news is, is he's new to the cornerback position. I believe... I want to say like the last couple games of his, what was, let's see, redshirt junior year, maybe redshirt sophomore year, one of those years is when he made this transition to cornerback. And that's kind of shown up a little bit or a lot on his tape, I should say. His instincts aren't quite there, but all that stuff can get better with more experience. He also has absolutely terrible hands, which is probably why he made the switch to defensive back. Um, not that that's that big of a deal on that side of the ball, but again, another guy that would make Al Davis proud with the height, weight, speed combo, a lot of potential, a guy that you're going to take a gamble on in that third round, in those mid rounds that could develop into a starter in a year or two down the road. Martin Emerson out of uh, Mississippi state, another guy in that third or fourth round category, probably one of the smarter corners I've watched this year. I came away really impressed with his instincts, really like him as a player, really like him in zone coverages. Um, and then the last one is kind of uh, gained some steam recently. It's going to be Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. Now, Cam Taylor Britt is an interesting projection for me because I think he's a guy that might actually have a better career at safety. He loved to come up and play against the run, loved to come up and lay the wood. Um, I thought he was a little bit shaky in man coverage to be able to hold up at corner at the next level. But part of the or one of the things that I thought he was going to be a deficiency for him was his speed and ended up running like in the, a sub 4440. So. One of those situations where you go back and check the tape a little bit, you know, maybe he's a little bit more of a track guy and not doesn't have as much, you know, play speed or anything like that. But definitely a little bit of a question mark, or definitely answered, or I should say, solved a little bit of a question mark where that was a concern for me. Maybe it's not as big as of a deal as I thought it was. But he's another guy who kind of gained some steam since the combine. Now it's kind of uh, worked his way into that third and fourth round category. And again. I think a, a guy with a lot of versatility would be great in Patrick Graham's defense, especially with uh, him being able to play safety and Graham loving his safeties, or I should say could project well to play safety. Question three, and this one's the opposite of number one. What are your thoughts on the Raiders possibly trading up and who might they target if they do? So I talked about this a little bit uh, just not too long ago, but I think and this draft is kind of weird in this uh, this regard. I think if they are going to trade up, the move is to try and trade up into that second round and get a more premium pick to maybe fill that starting role at right tackle that I keep bringing up. So I think if they do that, well, first of all, my thoughts on that would be, I would definitely be for it. I would be a little bit cautious because I do want to make sure that they can get a, a decent quarter corner to at least develop for when Rocky Sin or Trayvon Mullen are likely gone after next year since both guys are going to be free agents at the end of the year. So I would like to, to see them be able to be in a decent spot to get a, at least a project at corner. So I'd like to see them be able to protect that fourth round pick. Don't know if that happens in a trade-up scenario, but if they can do that, I'd be all for it um, to maybe get back up into maybe even creep back into the top 50 or at least somewhere near there. Um, but the guys that I would like to go after, 
One of those could be one of the guys I was just talking about, and Abraham Lucas. Again, he's kind of been rising up the boards. Not 100% sure on where the NFL feels feels uh, the same way, but he might be one of the guys. The guy that I really like a lot, though, that I've kind of seen a lot of people start to or hate on a little bit, and I've kind of pounded the table for him since the Senior Bowl, really, is going to be Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. He's a guy, again, tons of experience playing right tackle, highly graded out, out from PFF uh, last year, been one of the more dominant run blockers, and I I like him as a pass blocker. Some people want to move him to guard. Um, I think he's the kind of guy that you you draft him and you figure out or you let him prove you wrong at tackle. He's a guy, when I watched him on film, I kept waiting for him to get beat around the edge, but it just never happened. I mean, the guy had impeccable numbers, impeccable production in college. And again, another guy that stood out in the senior bowl. So he'd be a guy that I'd like to see them target if they can get back into that second round. That seems to be his sweet spot right now. Again, I'm a little bit higher on him than a lot of people seem to be, so maybe I'm off on that one. But he would be my guy that I would kind of uh, plant my flag in if they they do make that move. And the other guy would probably be Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. I've talked about this uh, on Unnecessary Roughness with Q a little while back if you guys haven't checked out that episode. But Tyler Smith, he was a guy that it almost seems like he was born to be a Raider, just a mean, nasty dude, and had a ton of penalties. So he's already kind of a Raider in that regard. But again, you know, a mean dude who's going to be a nasty blocker in the run game might have a little bit of questions in pass protection. So, you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier, is he different than what they already have? Maybe not, but I think he'd probably be an upgrade over what they have. And again, a guy that's going to fall into that second round category. So those would be my three guys that I would look out for. If they do trade back into the second at offensive tackle, we'll go Darian Kennard, Abe Lucas. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and use uh, him twice there. And then um, uh, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Last question of the week, which young player do you show will the most improvement in playing time and skill set come week one? Who do you have your eye on? Before I get into my answer, I had to say I really like this question. It was an interesting one, made me think a little bit, made me pull up the depth chart and see what kind of situations we're looking at. But the first guy I'm going to take is the uh, low-hanging fruit, Divine Diablo. Obviously came onto the scene last late last year and started performing really well. Excellent against the run, showed some good stuff again in coverage as well. I'm interested to see what he can do in Patrick Graham's defense. I'm interested to see how they're going to use him. Patrick Graham's a little bit more known for using his safeties, but I think Divine Diablo and uh, Denzel Perryman will be the two linebackers in nickel. It'll just be a question of who's going to be coming off the field in dime, which um, Patrick Graham does like to run quite a bit. Again, you know, maybe Divine Diablo's background as a safety in college, maybe that gives him a little bit more flexibility in the defense and could add a nice little wrinkle as well if you think about it too. Maybe... If uh, Graham can scheme up some more stuff for Diablo, Diablo, seeing as he's a little bit more athletic than your typical linebacker. Second guy I'm going to be looking for is going to be Malcolm Kuntz. I think a lot of people are kind of expecting a lot more things out of him. Just because, uh, obviously, Carl Nassib's not there anymore. He gets to learn behind Chandler Jones and work with those guys. And he'll be competing with Kyler Frackrell for that uh, that third edge spot. I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he can be an interesting uh third down rusher and kind of uh, help get after the quarterback a little bit. And maybe they can even uh, get some more packages with him, Crosby, and uh, and uh, Jones at the same time to make a nice little lethal path, pass rush. If that happens, he'll definitely be getting some more one-on-one blocks. So I'm interested to see what he can do with more playing time. Again, another guy that didn't really play a whole lot. And the last one I might, might surprise you guys a little bit. I'm going to keep my eye on Tyron Johnson, and here's why. Well, I love what the Raiders have done with the receiving core. Obviously, getting a guy like Devontae Adams, who's the best receiver in the league, is huge. The one thing they are still kind of missing right now is that one guy that can just take the top off the defense. 
And that we've known is Tyron Johnson. I've been pounding the table that Tyron Johnson should be getting more looks and more more reps since he basically signed the, with the team. It just hasn't worked out. I don't even know if he had a catch last year. But another guy that I think can carve out a role on this team as that deep threat. I don't think they have a whole lot of guys that can do that. And again, another guy didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year. I really am excited to see what he can do this year, especially with this uh, with this new offensive scheme. And I, I think he can potentially be that guy that uh, forces teams to play play their safeties a little bit deep and can open things up for four guys underneath like Adams, Renfro, and Waller. All right, guys, that does it for this week's episode. Reminder about next week, going to be coming out a little bit later. Go over all the draft prospects, all that good stuff. One of the best times of the year. Thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you're following me on Twitter, at mholder95. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Give us those five-star reviews. Rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Other than that, until next time, guys.